and welcome to the Text in Us podcast. I'm your host, George Fricks, and I'm here with my co-host, L. Grover Fricks, to resume our discussions in Exodus chapter 3, part 2. A lot of part 2s recently. Hopefully, (laughs) we'll start picking things back up again. Gotta rein it in. Yep, alas. Uh, But here we go, part 2. We're starting in verse 10. Verse 11. Verse 11. I was so close. Um, with Moshe's objections. So we read the whole thing last time, but here it is again for your convenience. This is the scroll of Shemot, chapter 3, verse 11. Moshe said to the Elohim, Who am I that I should walk to Pero, that I could cause the sons of Yisrael to leave from Mitzrayim? He said, For I will be with you. This is a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have caused the people to leave from Mitzrayim, you shall serve the Elohim upon this mountain. Moshe said to the Elohim, Look here, I am coming to the sons of Yisrael. I will say to them, God of your fathers has sent me to you. They will say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moshe, I will be whom I will be. He said, So you will say to the sons of Yisrael, I will be has sent me to you. Again, God said to Moshe, so you will say to the sons of Yisrael, Yahweh, God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, God of Yitzchak, and the God of Yaakov has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is my remembrance to era after era. Walk, gather the elders of Yisrael, say to them, Yahweh, God of your fathers, has been seen by me. God of Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, saying, visiting, I have visited you, and I have done for you in Mitzrayim. He said, I will cause you to ascend from being pressed into the ground by the hard labor of Mitzrayim to the land of the Kanaani, the Chiti, the Emori, the Prizi, the Chivi, and the Yuvusi, to the land gushing milk and honey. They will shem'ah your voice. You shall come with the elders of Yisrael to the king of Mitzrayim. You will say to him, Yahweh God of the Hebrews befell upon us. Now, oh, that we would walk, please, a three-day path in the desert. Oh, that we might slaughter to Yahweh. Yahweh our God. I know that the king of Mitzrayim will not give you to walk unless in a hand of strength. I will send my hand. I will strike the Mitzrayim and all my wonders that I will do in their midst. After that, he will send you. I will give chain to this people in the eyes of the Mitzrayim. It will be when you walk, you will not walk empty. Every woman will ask from her neighborhood and her guests in her house, clinking things of silver and clinking things of gold and dresses. You will put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and you will snatch Mitzrayim. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, we have the last, what is that, 10 or 11 verses of chapter Three. Something like that. That's right. Yep. And uh, Moshe has started his round of objections, which will continue for quite some time. Right. And, uh, you know, again, this is a new kind of interaction. This is the first time I think we've seen somebody object to God's calling in such a strong fashion, if at all, really. I'm trying to think if any of the patriarchs were like, eh, yeah, never mind. Don't want to do that. Right. Right. So, yeah, Yaakov gave like, <laughs> reasons and objections and like, hey, if you do this, then I'll do this. Add right. it on to what God said. But this is the first full-throated no, which I've been reading some Greek mythology recently. Okay. And that does not go well for the uh, person that the patron deity is talking to. Mm. Like if Athena shows up to you and is like, hey, I want you to be the great hero of this land and I want you to go on this specific mission. If you are like, nah, fam, she 
is not pleased. You get cut off. You get like your fate snipped. Wow. Um, You know, it's a big no-no and everybody's like, no, don't do it. Uh, Of course, at least in these renditions that I'm reading, Greek mythology changes over the hundreds of years that it was written during. But um, just underlining the theme in this whole section, the patience of God, the forbearance of God, the... Willingness to meet us where we're at. Right. The fact that he is not easily persuaded away from his calling of us. Um, I think that should stand out to us whether or not we know the cultural context, yeah. right? Yeah, and it's so easy in this section to uh, be upset at Moshe and be like, come on, man. Huh? Yeah. What are you afraid of? Right. Get out there with your walking stick. Right. Do the thing. Um, right, and then we transpose that annoyance onto God and right. expect him to get smote by lightning bolts right. until the next person walks by. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's interesting. We see kind of that uh, structure here that we've talked about before as sort of representing passages in time mm, where yeah. God says something and Moshe doesn't respond yes. and God keeps talking and yep. Moshe doesn't respond and God keeps talking and Moshe doesn't respond. Uh, so I'm interested to get into some of that. But yeah, absolutely. let's start off here in verse 11. Moshe said to the Elohim, the heavenly heavenly beings, Right. Who am I? Who am I? The best deep cut from Les Miserables, if you're wondering. Uh, that I should walk to Pedo. Yeah. So again, the walking language. Always. Says, I don't want to walk. Uh, that I could cause the sons of Israel to leave from Mitzrayim, which is crazy as well. You know, the message that you're going to go and you're going to lead the Israelites out of captivity. And he's like, are you kidding me? You think they're going to want to leave out of captivity? Right. Um, well, I, I mean, get them to do anything. Since last time he was there, they threatened his life after he had stood up from for them, right? He murdered the overseer and they were like, right. oh, really? You think you have some clout with us now? Right. <laughs> um, but at the same time, of course, looking at this question, who am I that I should walk to Pedo is an interesting question because, of course, we think you're perfectly positioned in both worlds, right? Hindsight is twenty twenty. of... Uh, you know, he knows that he's Hebrew and he was raised. I heard somebody recently say that they would nurse kids up to the age of seven. That is the oh, interesting. latest, the latest poll I have ever heard. In Egypt? Uh, you know, they didn't give or an exact... Or just historically in that time period. In the area in that time period. Yeah. They weren't super specific, which is always sus. Like, you can sure. nail down a fact better if somebody's like, in the Levant, in the late Bronze yeah. Age, right? Yeah, but, Well, I, uh, I'm not an expert in that area, but I recall that that kind of practice tends to revolve around the availability of nutritional nutrition. food. Yep. That's what I've talked about here before, and usually I've pitched uh, what I see as the middle of what people normally say, yeah. right? Um, being like four, but sure. seven, my goodness. Yeah. Like it's a little bit... That's a long time. Yeah. Yep. But anyway, for a significant part of his child's uh, early childhood development was spent amidst the Hebrew people right. and then just like is the practice of passing off your kid in apprenticeship. Dropped he was, off at boarding school. Right. He was apprenticed in the house of Pero, which is what Pero means, right? The great house. Right. So, so he's not well just educated. Saying, right. 
but he's not just saying who am I to walk to um, the king, the Melech of Mitzrayim. Yeah. He says, who am I to walk to the great house? So he's thinking of all the political stuff there more than the personal stuff, which right. is interesting. Right. And then pointing out who am I to get them to do anything, which uh, God's response is the same yesterday, today, and forever. <laughs> it is, but I, I think the first part of God's response is interesting. So let's look at verse 12. He said, he being God, I would presume, it doesn't spe- specify, but I think that's... What is being said here? For I will be with you. This is a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have caused the people to leave from Mitzrayim, you shall serve the Elohim upon this mountain. Which is quite the sign, right? (laughs) Here's the sign I'm going to give to you. After you do all the stuff that I've told you to do, eventually you'll make it back here and then you will serve me upon this mountain. Right. Uh, So jumping past God's promise of his presence has always been the thing, right? Um, Great commission. It's the thing Um, here. It's the thing. It's God continually calling us back to a posture of trust and action, right? Because it's easy to be like, oh yeah, God just wants me to know that he's with me. And so I'm just going to like sit here and go about my life. Yeah. But no, I'll be with you to go do the thing. Well, it's almost a a turn on the Yaakov bargain, right? Mm. If you do this, then I will do this. Right. Oh, I like that. Um. Sassy. Um, And then he says, this is a sign for you, which hasn't come out yet, but... um, Mr. Yehoshua Basse called me out because I said that the first mention of sign is Cain and Havel, which I want to make that connection. But of course, that's not it. It's in Genesis 1. It's the signs and the seasons. Oh, yeah. It's the first time it showed up. So, of course, that plays into the whole zodiac motif that I'm always hinting at in the, on the in the margins mm-hmm. uh so who knows maybe he points at the sky because we do have some really interesting imagery um when it comes to the killing of the ram and the golden what animal is what do they make after they escape the calf the calf right so there's a bunch there we'll get to eventually but anyway that's possible but when i think sign and i'm not in that mindset Cain, of course is the first person to be given a sign and it reminds me of that section because Cain is being whiny and he says oh how am i supposed to go out and survive surely i'll be killed um out there in the wilderness and God says, here's a sign, and yeah. doesn't say what it is, unless right. you follow the Midrash, then it's a dog, which is still one of my favorites. Um, so maybe he gives Moshe a dog, the first sheep dog. No. Um, I like it. <laughs> uh, it would make more sense than a post, you know, a post sign. But it reminds me of that uh, because Moshe is in that same kind of space of I'm going to leave my comfortable place and go out somewhere that I feel like I'm in danger. And then instead of something tangible, unless there is an Australian sheepdog here, um, it's when you have caused the people to leave, you shall serve the Elohim upon this mountain. Who knows? Maybe there is a vision or something. Well, moving forward to verse 13. Moshe says to the Elohim, look here, I am coming to the sons of Israel. I will say to them, God of your fathers has sent me to you. They will say to me, what is his name? What will I say to them? And God says to Moshe, I will be whom I will be. 
So here we get to the section where God's going to keep talking, right? So God says to Moshe, I will be whom I will be. And then in verse 15, again, God says to Moshe. And then in 17, he said, I will cause you to ascend. Um, right. So why why is it? So I had to re-record that section twice because each kept time. Kept trying to put Moshe I, back in. Yeah, I put it as Moshe's inflection. Yeah. I'm like, so you will say to sons of Israel, I will be has sent me to you. But yeah, that's and it's not God it. it's all God. the way to the end of the chapter. Right. So that reminds me of like Genesis 15 where Avraham is silent um, when God is trying to give him the promise. And it says, uh, and God said, and God said a few mm-hmm. times. And so my question is like, what is Moshe doing? <laughs> you know, is this like the toddler breakdown where first they're like, no, I don't want to. And then you try talking to them and they just kind of like lie on the ground. Don't say anything. Yeah. I, you know, I think for us, we see God in verse 14 say, I will be whom I will be. And we're like, oh, dang, you pulled out the phrase. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and so we kind of have all this meaning, meaning tied into that, you know, we get into our Jesus theology and all this kind of stuff. But for Moshe, he's like, are you kidding me? Like, and? <laughs> right. um, uh, so I'm just, I feel like for Moshe, that's kind of a non-answer. Right. And right? I do want to talk about the that definition there. So it's ihie asher ihie. Um, And people are probably used to hearing that as I was who I will be or I am who I am is the most common rendering. Um, And I've I've alluded to this in the past um, and my advanced Hebrew students out there, shout out to y'all, are familiar with the fact that in Hebrew, time is tenuous um tenses can flip back and forth between really being passed the way they're spelled or they can be reversed and so if we look at the spot that's why it can get translated in different ways because sure i went with the literal translation um and that's because there's no vav in the front to flip it uh for those folks who can listen along at that level, it's just a straight ihie, asher ihie. Um, and so that's future tense. It has an olive in the front if we get into the grammar, and there's no um, reversing vav going on. And so uh, to me, it's more accurate to say, I will be whom I will be. But um, I, there's room for their, those other renderings within the conversation, but yeah. I don't particularly view any one of those as more comforting to Moshe. <laughs> you know, if he says, I will be who I will be, it's not like, oh, okay. When you said I am who I am, that was, you know, less helpful. But I mean, I, I believe the conversation around why God chooses that to describe his name has to do with God's unchanging nature, mm. his eternal nature, um, right? Like uh, the, which one is it? It's not the Orthodox Jewish Bible, the Jewish Complete Bible. Anyway, uh, the JPS, there you go. The JPS translates God's name always just the eternal. Um, and that's kind of contained in here that the God that he was in the past to the ancestors will be the God that he continues to be, so... 
that's kind of captured in there no matter what. Um, but yeah, then it looks like he keeps talking. Yeah, there's a interesting debate, or not debate, conversation in the Midrash about what Moses is trying to get at here. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of things that they point out that I think are really interesting is that uh, there are several names for God that have been mentioned in the text already in the narrative that Moshe is probably familiar with from his upbringing, his understanding of uh, the nation of Israel, right? We've seen El Shaddai used uh, as God's name in the text before, Elohim used for God, and both of those are words, names for God that Moshe could have used and the Israelites would have known who he's talking about, Mm. right? So he has two names already at his disposal, and yet he's still here asking God, what is your, if they... Uh, say to me, what is his name? What am I going to say to them? Right. And they suggest that Moshe here is asking God to reveal to him God's sacred name. Okay. Which we see when God says in verse 16, right? After Moshe is silent and God keeps talking, or sorry, not 16, verse 15, again, God said to Moshe, so you'll say to the sons of Israel, Yahweh, God of your fathers, the God of Avraham, the God of Yitzchak, the right. God of Yaakov has sent me to him. So invoking Yahweh, uh, the right. sacred name of God, and revealing that to Moses. Right. Certainly a big part of Jewish tradition, the elevated sacred nature of that particular name, um, and thus the not saying it. It's challenging to me to immediately see the inference drawn there between uh, why in this particular verse it's elevated um, beyond a name that you would typically use. You know, I think there are interesting questions and room for discussion around how did he get from Ihie Asher Ihie to Yahweh, you know, um, which is always violated differently all the way through the text. But um, but I don't particularly see the can't touch that aspect uh, of theology in this particular verse. Um, but I'm sure yeah. they have so, a lot of a lot of ink spilled about it. Right. So to kind of expand upon their thinking, they talk about the name El Shaddai uh, and how El Shaddai does not necessarily signify. Uh, the performance of miraculous signs in the name of God. Okay. Right? Uh, the name has a different purpose and meaning. Uh, and uh, whenever, when we get to Yaakov and he's saying, Elohim will be with you and bring you back to the land of your fathers. And Yosef always says, Elohim uh, will surely remember you. Uh, again, they say, that's not really the name of God that we see associated with these miraculous signs. And so the need for the name is specific and dependent upon the miracles that he's about to perform for the Israelites. Okay. Uh, Because he said wonders. I am familiar from studying Talmud somewhat that the way that you mess around with the miracles is with the utmost like fear. There's a lot of cut off language. Um, like if you even read the verse out loud where God says that the people, um, 
uh, in Exodus when they're leaving, we'll get to it later, but he says that there will be no diseases because he'll heal them all and nobody will miscarry. And Tractate Sanhedrin says, if you even read that verse out loud, you'll be cut off um, and will not have an inheritance in the world to come. So I know there's a lot probably coming from, you know, this just speculation, but probably protecting against abuse of, you know, wonder workers. Certainly we've seen Mm. that in um, the evangelical world. So I'm guessing that's where that comes from. Well, yeah, it's, it has to do with knowing what divine attribute of God is being invoked, is being sent with him to talk to the Israelites. Mm. So they have, it seems, I, I, I don't know a whole lot about this aspect of Judaism, but they have a system of divine attributes, attributes that are that associated with each, with each of these names, right? right. And I'm so um, they talk about Isaiah uh, invokes the eternal God has sent me, right? And so Moses say, says, they will ask me concerning my mission, whether it is with the attribute of El Shaddai, which stood by the patriarchs, or with the high attribute of mercy with which you will do signs and wonders, right. which will be new phenomena in creation. Which I really love that attention to detail of like, why is a specific name pulled for a specific moment? Yeah. If you look at the pattern of when this name shows up, is there a particular thematic element, right? We've talked about that before with... Um, the Midrash and the angels, right? Um, Gabriel yeah. always comes with like announcing empire shaking bad news, which is why it's fun that he's the one that shows up when Jesus is born. Right. He's like, Oh, new kingdom coming y'all is what they would have thought about around Gabriel. But anyway, um, Gabriel yeah. means it's, strength. Yeah. So we've talked about the meaning of God's name in El Shaddai. Go right. back to uh, chapter 15. If you want to hear me, putter through the different options there where where I happen to land but but yeah it totally makes sense they pop out with their own their own meaning set uh it's also linked to the Kabbalah um mm. uh, way of imagining God's attributes okay yeah well uh whatever the case it doesn't jive well with the Oh, yeah, the documentary hypothesis. Yeah, it doesn't right. jive well with the documentary <laughs> right. hypothesis. They so. would just say whoever, if you're not familiar, whichever name of God belongs to a different tradition of people. Right. Um, so sorry if you agree with that. The rabbis seem to disagree. Right. <laughs> Shocking. With that. Although way before Christians caught on, they started talking about um, early, 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 early Jewish thought. You can read them being like, Moshe couldn't have written all of Torah because <laughs> right. it talks Talks about his time. own death. Yeah. No, like how could Moshe have written about his own death? Like when did he set oh, the... because he's a prophet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh boy. Um, but anyway, I find that fascinating that like the most frequent word for God then, um, his divine name yeah. is associated with wonders. That's lovely. Certainly would maybe edge us into an uncomfortable region in our you know, so often cessationist camps, but only back then. Right. So does that mean that if you're cessationist, you can't use that name of God (laughs) anymore? Um, Yeah, maybe, maybe, uh, in verse 15, I think again, another interesting thing here is that we saw previously in this chapter in verse six, God said to him, he said, I am God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of uh, Isaac and the God of Jacob. Uh-huh. And here, when we kind of talked about the interesting uh, little detail that it's father singular. Right. Here in verse 15, uh, 
He says, multiple. Yahweh, God of your fathers, the God right. of Abraham. I think which totally provides support for our point. Because right? yeah. when he's talking to Moshe, Moshe's had this identity crisis about which house he belongs yeah. to. And so he says, your dad. Right. But here, talking to Yisrael, we're right. talking about the ancestors. So... Um, it all checks out. Yep. He says, by the way, visiting, I have visited you. I'm inspired maybe to go back and add some flowery language there. Mm. My documentary hypothesis professor told me that I was far too flowery. I've taken it <laughs> bitterly uh, ever since. Not really, but... Uh, um, just to call back to your Baptist piano days. Oh, yeah. Whew. Got in trouble because I didn't play those block chords. Um, can't have rolling chords. All right. Well, people. I'm looking forward to your revision of Well, that's very nice. Text. Okay. But the point being, visiting, I have visited you. Specifically, that's not like, um, which would be very lovely, but it's not like, my friend is sick. I'm going to go over to their house and visit them. Um, I believe, although I'm not staring at the interlinear at this moment or my Hebrew at this very moment, I believe it's the word pakad, which uh, is the word for um, like a general coming and visiting mm, you, okay. coming from on high, and it uh, escalates further if you put it in an intensive case. Um, but it's visiting i have visited you as your patron as your commanding officer i have come to give you these orders right which isn't as caring you know uh as the more nurturing aspects of god i still think absolutely exist but again we're gonna see this patronage theme throughout the scroll and so i think it's interesting to note that it shows up here even in that word yeah we also see in verse 16 at the beginning, it says, walk, gather the elders of Israel. So we have here the word elders. Tell me about this word. There's some conversation in the Midrash about whether or not it's referring to a specific group of people who were the elders of Israel, those who would be singled out as representatives to uh, decide things, or if it's the uh, just the old men in general, right? Rashi argues against the old men theory because he says, how would it be possible for Moshe to gather all of the old men hmm. amongst a population that size? Right. Um, but there is conversation there. So, yeah, um, I, I would back it up two steps on saying the old men because old people, <laughs> old folk, elderly folk, uh, because later at the mountain, I think we specifically see some women included there. Mm. Um, however, the word is just for old person. So I definitely can stand behind people who are like, no, it's just like the esteemed people in their community were those of advanced years. And so um, it wouldn't be like higgledy piggledy, like, you know, oh, yeah, don't forget about Jim. Sure. He's over 75. Um, they would be people who are the patriarchs of Insula, right? Yeah. Um, it's the idea. But I can also see it the other way, that that's a particular word for people who have, you know, sworn to abide by Second Timothy. Just kidding. Um, the people who 
uh, have a particular defined role aside just from being of a certain age because these elders, of course, are our forerunners of the Sanhedrin. Later, yeah. There'll be 70 of them, and it seems odd in a nation of, forget how many, it says like 600,000 or something. It would be yeah. weird if there were only 70 old people. Right. Um, <laughs> those numbers are a bit off. And so I can't get behind either. I'm not mad at Rashi for, for that. I think that's a fair point. Um, but yeah, hard to say until right. we get to it actually saying 70 right. later. Well, uh, whatever the case may be, here we have the elders in the text. So, in fact, the first person to be skin is uh, Sarai in Genesis 18, uh, which backs up your my women theory. theory. Yeah, is that just in reference to she was old, yes, like she was it's old in the age? same word? Yeah, so interesting that we have that translation change here when we're talking about uh, what is probably culturally when this text was translated into English, right? Mm -hmm. We would be using the word elders. Right. Um, But when we refer to Sarah in the text, we we just go with old, right? We don't assign that community status to the translation along with that. Good point, George. Take up your pitchforks. Uh, um, okay. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> but uh, I agree. I thought about um, setting it as old ones in order to hmm. try to get away from the presbyteros, the um, you know Greek-esque feeling yeah. of the later church development. However, it felt too much like I was being a little bit precious. And, too flowery. Uh, too flowery and too dark crystal, actually, to be precise. <laughs> All right. They had great wood flutes. Okay, um, I will cause you to ascend. Also, by the way, Moshe still hasn't said, I mean, anything. It's just God speaking over and over and over. He said, he said, yeah. Um, I will cause you to ascend from being pressed into the ground by the hard labor of Mitzrayim. We said last week that long hyphenated thing that I translated there is because I don't want to lose the image from Sarah and Hagar. Because again, that's why I think we're here in the first place. Uh, and lists all the peoples and talks about milk and honey. So again, God kind of buries the lead on the promise part of things, right? If you look at what's important to God that we will know, like what does he want us to be able to absorb? I'm thinking about maturity and thinking about what information is the most important to God. First thing that is important is who God is yeah. and that he's with us, followed up by um, who we are, which maybe that's hard to pull out, but you will say to the sons of Israel, I will be has sent me to you. So to me, that's kind of an identity statement of I'm here not of my own accord, but because I'm acting under the patronage of this deity. So who God is, the fact that he's with us, um, our identity as being a sent one of him and then what we're supposed to do. And then after that, God tells us about uh, a reward and what will happen. Um, and I just think that's interesting looking at God's understanding of our psychology and our maturity and what we should hear first. Um, and maybe the gap in between all of those is he was giving Moshe a chance to walk away and Moshe mm. didn't mm. like if he had led with, look, 
you think you're in the backside of the desert now don't worry i've got a great place for you and then moshe is hooked in and he's not quite as much of an upright person of integrity and so he's like yeah okay if that's where you're taking me i don't know just spitballing here i think that is a valid point that moshe is waiting through all of this even if he isn't saying something i think there's uh, a very good point to be made there um, and we're still going to see him struggle to grasp this concept right in the, in the next chapter. Right. Uh, but yeah, he is waiting. Uh, he's listening. He's listening. And speaking of listening, and they will 18, shema your voice. They will shema your voice. You will come to the elders of Israel, to the king of Mitzrayim. You will say to him, Yahweh, God of the Hebrews, we fell up befell upon us. <laughs> I love that. Which is interesting. Now, oh, that we would walk, which is again a callback to language we've seen before in the text. Right. The uh, the God of the Hebrews befell upon us is like maximum deniability. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like we sought him out or we yeah. asked one of our prophets. We were ambushed in the wilderness. I was just doing my business and lo, this God fell on me. Which, I mean, accurate, right? He's just out there Trying wow. to get his sheep back, and yes. God just shows up. Yes, and he follows his sacred curiosity toward the bush. But sure. I hear what you're saying. Um, also reminds me of the, he caused um, God to be seen by him. You know, it's uh, that same kind of causational mm. language comes from God's direction here. Uh, oh, that we would walk, please. A three-day path in the desert. It's always fascinating to see that, like, the demands shift over time. So here it is for the first time. What are they asking for? Just a three-day little walk that they might slaughter to Yahweh. So we don't really see, I mean, worship language is in altar, but not necessarily patronage language. Right. Um, And then God... Well, and and, uh, Moshe's journey to the mountain was three days, the sacrifice of Isaac, so... Avraham's, you mean? Yeah, what did I say? Moshe. Oh, yeah. Not Moshe. Avraham's right. journey to the mountain took three days. So, um, interesting parallel there in yeah, absolutely. what they're talking about. So, And also interesting in the Midrash, right? Uh, uh, Yitzchak runs away. So, maybe <laughs> maybe Pharaoh knew what was up. Maybe, perhaps, perhaps he knew this some stories. That would be interesting. Um, but we've switched to King of Mitzrayim language. He says, I know that the King of Mitzrayim will not give you to mm, walk uh-huh. um, unless in a hand of strength. So I think that is reflected in the story. Pero, as in the great house, right. certainly might have been convinced by the plagues, but it came down to this relational thing. Or right. at least I think that's what we're going to see. I haven't translated it yet. Um, and then we have the, I will send my hand echoing. The princess, the uh, Pero's daughter, who is unnamed, right? Who we talked about this whole scroll talking about yeah. being modeled after her, who is willing to use her privilege to rescue somebody else, sending out her hand. Right. I like um, that. Yeah. And then I will strike the Mitzrayim. That word strike is the same thing that was used uh, when Moshe sucker punched the guy who may or may not have died or have been buried alive. Yeah. Definitely died. <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of pro buried alive one hit punch uh yeah not a one hit punch <laughs> most punches are <laughs> something's amiss. something's gonna miss otherwise <laughs> 
twice in one hit. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I will strike a little bit of solidarity maybe there with Moshe or maybe like affirming to him that what he did wasn't wrong, mm. right? Because I'm sure Moshe has struggled has with that. a lot that. of shame with that. Right. Because the Hebrew people were not like, yay! Right. They didn't, it was in a big like, I don't know, sports movie moment where the yeah, crowds went right. wild. Um, and so maybe he mirrors that to comfort Moshe. And then he says, in all my wonders, which I can't hear that word without, without the, the Prince the of Egypt, Prince which of Egypt, yes. unfortunately is Val Kilmer talking. Which oh, wow. I had no idea. It's <laughs> kind of upsetting. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, that movie has Voldemort and Val Kilmer in it. Um, still, still canon. Okay, so the wonders, and that's what we're tying to Yahweh's particular name. Um, after that, he will send you, right? So he's going to make him be modeled like his daughter. And I will give chain to this people. We've talked about chain before being patronage language. Yeah. Um, that's the point, again, about moving out of the patronage of this bad patron into the household of God where he dwells with them. Um, and it will be when you walk, you will not walk empty. Every woman will ask from her neighborhood and her guests in her house, clinking things of silver and clinking things of gold and dresses. You will put them on your sons and your daughters and you will snatch midstream. Yeah, which is a super interesting ending. You know, and it makes me think of the other stories like uh, Avraham's uh, first expedition into Egypt ends mm. in kind of a similar manner right he yeah. leaves with wealth and riches right and it's kind of this unusual like why is he getting this blessing right uh after screwing up and all this kind of stuff and it falls back on the promise right that god gave that he's going right. to bless them and so interesting that we see that kind of model come back here mm. uh in the text yeah so. i like that i like that a lot i also think you know that that's just a picture also of the goodness of God like mm. if we go for base level look God provides but you know we hear it preached all the time like Jesus isn't here to make your life better <laughs> you're in for a long time not a good time if you're a follower of Jesus yeah. which again that's a reaction to important things important abuses right. and bad theology but we see here in God's character not only am I going to rescue you but when you go, you won't go empty-handed. Right. People are going to gift you things. Yeah, yeah. And I like that he doesn't tell them to take it. Right. He says to ask for it. Right, yes. Which is very specifically different. Right. right. They're not going around looting Egypt. Plundering. Yeah. Right. Very important distinction. Um, and I'm curious to see How what kind of differences happen right. in the year 2028 when we get to the Book of Judges. Just right. kidding. I don't know when that'll happen, but... Yeah, seeing what it is that God says should happen and then what actually does happen sometimes doesn't always line up. Okay, any last things before we close out chapter three? Nope, that's it. Look at us. What a timely manner. I know. I'm so proud. Uh, okay, if you have questions or thoughts or comments that you want us to respond to, um, send those to textinus at gmail.com. Yes, and we will be having a questions episode sooner than later because, you know, this isn't our third episode, but rather I think it's like our fifth or something, the way things have been divided up. So, Details. Uh, so, yeah, this has been the Text in Us podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, and we hope that you will join us again next time for Exodus Chapter 4.